Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Talking about number one, the number one way to hear from God is the Word of God, the Bible. This, this is God's book, which he has inspired and it's been passed down to us. And if you want to know who God is and what he likes and what he's all about, this book is it. This is the final authority. Nothing else that uh, God will ever say will ever contradict um, his word. And so this is also sort of the baseline for us to figure out, uh, is God speaking to me? Well, you can, you can check the Bible. And so I encourage you, if you've never read the Bible before, we have several people um, that either you've, you've just never been in church before, or, or perhaps you were a part of a church that discouraged you from reading the Bible. I would encourage you, if you've never read the Bible before, you should really start in the book of, of Mark. I would suggest the book of Mark. That's the story of Jesus. It's the short version. Um, start in the book of Mark and just read that. Just understand who Jesus is, what he came to do, some of his teachings. And then go on back to the back of the Bible. Um, go to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. I would suggest that one. I preached a whole sermon series on 1 John one time. And, and uh, it's really simple, but it's really powerful. And it's really short, actually. You read through it in about 20 minutes. Uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. But man, I'm telling you, it will it'll feed your soul. Um, and so uh, get into the Bible. Get into, spend, spend some time reading the Bible. But also, um, we talked about how God speaks to us through our desires, through our heart's desires. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give uh, you the desires of your heart. And so uh, that's one other way to check, to check and see what God is speaking to you. Um, uh, what, is, what, what are the three things I said? Uh, what makes you laugh? What makes you cry? And what turns you on? And so truly, that, that is a way to hear from God. Discern in your own heart what fires you up, uh, what makes you laugh, what makes you cry, and what turns you on. And that'll help you understand a little bit of how to hear from God. But today, I want to talk about a, another way to hear from God, which is through dreams. Um, dreams like when you're sleeping. Dreams and visions. Um, uh, just, just to take a poll, I did this in the first service, but how many of you would say that at some point in your life, you feel like you've had either a vision or a dream that had some spiritual, that you think maybe had some spiritual significance to it. How many of you, wow, okay. So you guys are so much more spiritual than the first service. I'll just, I'll just tell you that. Um, yeah, yeah, because you've got to sleep in and that's what you're doing. You're, God was speaking to you in dreams, right? You were like having church while you're sleeping under the covers, <laughs> right? Um, that's not church. Um, but anyway, uh, this is a way that God speaks to us. Um, and, and, and I feel like, number one, I just want to, I want to communicate that. I want you to know that we believe in spiritual dreams and spiritual visions. We believe that God speaks to us in this way. And so some of us, are, some of you are here today and you're like, I need to hear from God. I need to hear direction. I need a, a directive word. I need God to direct me. Sometimes we need God to encourage us. Sometimes we need God to, to convict us. Um, which we don't often know that we need until he speaks to us in that way. But, but that's exactly what we need sometimes. But we, there's different ways that God speaks to us. And one of the, the ways that happens throughout Scripture is through dreams. Um, some things about dreams, you know, uh, you do need to determine whether it's a spiritual dream or if it was just the pizza that you had the night before. You need to figure that out. Um, some ways to determine that is, one, a spiritual dream will be very vivid. Uh, I, I heard one, one person say that a spiritual dream will always be in color. 
I don't know if that's true or not, but I know a lot of times dreams are in black and white. Um, but spiritual dreams are different. Uh, there's frequently um, a lot of vivid colors involved. Um, it's the kind of dream that will stick with you. You'll remember it when you wake up. You'll remember it throughout the day. You'll remember it 10 years later. Um, it's the kind of dream that just, that just is in, sort of burned into your memory. And, and uh, it's the kind of thing that says, wait, something's, something's off about this. Something's weird about this. This isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't just a regular strange dream. And that's, that's some way to, to figure out. But also, it'll never contradict Scripture. Okay, so if, so if God's telling you something in a dream, it'll always line up with what he has written in Scripture. So he'll never uh, tell you uh, to, you know, go get drunk through your, through, through your dream when he's clearly spoken against drunkenness in Scripture. He'll never tell you to divorce your spouse in a dream when he's clearly spoken to you in Scripture uh, that he hates divorce, you know. Uh, and so there's, there's, there's different things that you can just know. As you read the Bible, you can know how to judge exactly what God's saying to you in a dream. Because oftentimes, when God speaks to us in dreams, it's not incredibly clear on what he's saying. So, so part of what I want to do today is I want to help sort of decode um, dream, uh, 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 dream language, the dream love language of God. And uh, oftentimes, I guess I do more preaching. Um, today, I'm going to do a little more teaching. So preaching is where there's more spit involved. Um, the teaching is just kind of just talking with you because I think it's so important. I think for those of you that have heard from God in dreams, um, I think it's important that you learn how to filter that, how to recognize and decode what that means for your life. And for those of you that have never heard from God in a dream or a vision, and you're like, wow, this guy's really weird. I thought this was a relevant church. Um, uh, no, okay, it is relevant because this is, this is a way that God wants to speak to you. And I pray, my prayer for you is that you leave today saying, God, speak to me in a dream. Sometimes God doesn't speak to us in dreams because, one, we've never asked him to. We're not open to it. And then I think other times he has spoken to us in dreams. And because we're not thinking about it, we're not looking for it, um, we think, wow, that was a really weird dream. And we just move on with our life. Uh, what I want you to do, though, is learn how to stop and to pause and to say, wait a minute, I think God's speaking to me um, through, this, through this dream or this vision. Uh, the first vision I ever had in my life, I was seven years old, and um, I, was, I was at a prayer meeting. And my parents took, took me to a prayer meeting on a Sunday night, and um, I was real shy, and so I went and hid behind um, this sign that was in our sanctuary. I went and hid behind the sign, crouched down, and um, I really wanted to be home playing Super Mario Brothers, um, this is back in the 80s, 1987, anybody? Super Mario Brothers, all eight bits of power. Now you're playing with power. So anyway, I wanted to be home playing Super Mario Brothers, and so I was thinking about Super Mario Brothers, and the next thing I know, I just had this, I don't know if I was sleeping, I don't know if I was awake, I'm really not sure, but it's like um, I saw Jesus come walking up to me. And um, at the time, I was seven years old, I was taking karate classes, because um, Karate Kid was really you know, big back, back in the day. And so I was, I was taking karate classes, and um, they had told us that when, you, that when you go up to an opponent to fight with that opponent, like, um, uh, you're supposed to like bow to each other, I think. And, and I, I think that means that you're ready to fight like after you bow. But if you, but, I don't know, but, but, but if you don't want to fight, instead of bowing, like you do this certain hand signal, this motion thing with your hand. And when Jesus came up to me in my vision, I'm seven years old, he's coming up to a seven-year-old Harry, and he does the motion thing uh, of karate saying he doesn't want to fight with me. And so I woke up, and it was so vivid, so powerful. And I mean, I, I was, tears were streaming down my face. Like, I still get emotional when God speaks to me. Um, it's just what happens. Uh, and, and, and I realized that God didn't want to fight with me. 
that God didn't want me to go through my life as a teenager, as a young person, battling it out with him, but rather he wanted to be on my team. He wanted to be on my side. And, um, and that was a pivotal moment for me in my life when I said, yes, uh, I don't want to fight with you either. I don't want to fight against you. I want to submit to you. And so God will speak to you in visions and dreams. And, 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 I, and I want to look at this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 10, where God does that very thing. Through a vision, he speaks to um, Peter, who is one of the early apostles. And um, I, I don't know that I've ever preached on the book of Acts in, uh, in City Chapel yet. I, I just don't usually preach much out of Acts for some reason, but um, it's full of God speaking to people. So as I've been studying the way that God speaks to people, man, Acts is full of it. It's the Acts of the Apostles after Jesus ascended into heaven. This is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church, and this is how he speaks to us. And uh, verse 9, it says on the next day that they went on their journey and drew near to the city. And Peter, meanwhile, uh, went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So uh, there's two sets of people here that this passage is talking about. Number one, there's a group of people coming um, to find Peter. They've been sent by a guy named Cornelius who was praying when God, uh, when an angel appeared to him in a vision and said, you need to go find Simon Peter. Uh, he has a message for you. Now, Peter, Simon Peter doesn't know that God has sent them. He doesn't know that he has a message for them, um, but they are on their way. So they're, they're journeying to find Peter. Meanwhile, we find that Peter goes up to the housetop to pray, and it's about the sixth hour. That's about noon, and uh, he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made um, the meal ready, he fell into a trance. Okay, so he didn't put himself into a trance. Uh, he didn't use substances to get into a trance. He was praying. And uh, it was during prayer, just like God spoke to me in prayer. That's why I encourage you to get in prayer as much as possible, to get uh, in corporate prayer as much as possible. Uh, as he's praying, he falls into this trance where he doesn't... A trance is like where you don't know if you're, if you're sleeping or, or awake. You're just having this, this vision. And in this vision, now he's up in this, this upper room on the top of the house. There's a little spare bedroom up there. He's praying, and suddenly he has this vision where he sees heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him um, on the earth. So this big um, blanket, I guess, is coming down out of heaven, um, descending to him, and, uh, and it's coming down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, right? scorpions, tarantulas, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him as God saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Now, just to, just to explain that, when he says, I've never eaten anything common or unclean, he's talking about the Jewish religion. He was a Jew by birth, but, but he, was a, he, was a, he was a very religious Jew by faith. He had never eaten anything that a Jew is not supposed to eat. That's pretty amazing. Uh, he never tried pork, for instance. Uh, he had never allowed himself to eat the things that in the Old Testament God said Jews were not supposed to eat. He was very devout. He was, he was, a, he was a follower of God first. Uh, and, then, and then he met um, Jesus later on. Jesus called him to be a fisherman of men, but he never abandoned the Jewish faith. And this is what God's doing, though, in this moment. And a voice spoke to him again a second time and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God has called clean, you must not call unclean. What God is saying is, he says, look, the, the Old Testament version of clean and unclean was for a time and for a purpose. But now that Christ has come to the earth, that time has changed. And so I want you to get up and eat this. 
And this happens three times. Verse 16 says, this vision happened three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. Oftentimes with spiritual dreams and spiritual visions, they'll happen multiple times um, because we have thick skulls and uh, it's hard for God to get through to us. And he wants us to know, hey, I'm, uh, this I'm speaking to you. Uh, it speaks to him uh, a third, it happens three times. And what, what God is doing here is he is speaking to Peter through a vision slash dream, which he has done for his people throughout the Bible. Um, uh, Jacob was at Bethel, was at a place, place called Bethel, when God spoke to him in a dream. Um, his, his son, Joseph, God spoke to Joseph in a dream about his brothers bowing down before him. Now, Joseph made the mistake of telling his brothers about this dream, but it was still a true dream, and God still had plans for Joseph, and God spoke to Joseph about his plans through a dream. In 1 Kings chapter 3, God spoke to a man named Solomon. Anybody ever heard of Solomon? God spoke to Solomon in a dream. Has anybody ever heard of Solomon? No? Okay. You get out more. You're like, all right, 1 Kings chapter 3. It's a guy named Solomon. God appears to him in a dream and says, I'll give you anything that you want. And it's in a dream that Solomon says, I want an understanding heart. Now, the word understanding literally means to hear. So he says, I want to hear from you. I want a heart that hears from God, which, by the way, that's what wisdom is. A heart that hears constantly from God. And that's what Solomon said, and that was in a dream. Joseph, um, Jesus' earthly dad, was warned in a dream where he should live and where he shouldn't live. God speaks to his people through visions and dreams. And if you're not hearing from him in that way, you are missing out on a, on a big way that God wants to speak to you. Uh, very first dream I ever had, spiritual dream I ever had, uh, I was um, 12 years old, and um, I had this, uh, it was just a weird dream, I was, in, I was in my house, which by the way, oftentimes in dreams, in spiritual dreams, when you're in a house, the house really usually stands for you. Uh, if you are in an old house, it usually stands for the old you, meaning a generational you, like like, like your grandparents and the, the parents before them. If you're in a new house, it usually stands for you, your, your body, your, your physical. It, it has a lot to do with you. Which, by the way, that's, that's who God speaks to when he, when he speaks to you through a dream. He's speaking to you about you. So, so unless you are a professional prophet, God's usually not going to tell you other people's business. Just FYI. So if you have a dream that somebody's doing something naughty, that's a real word for bad. Um, it's not your job to then go tell those people, stop doing bad things, because he's probably, God's probably not telling you other people's business. Why would he do that? What are you going to do? He's going to tell you your business. So if you see somebody in a dream, that God's, if it's a spiritual dream, and you're dreaming about somebody doing something wrong, usually that's God's sort of sneaky way of bypassing the defense mechanisms of your conscience to let you know that you are doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Because because we, we have a much easier time imagining that other people would be messing up way more than we can believe that we would mess up, right? And so and so God will use these objects and these these things as metaphors to to softly, quietly, gently correct us and speak to us, but it's always going to be about you. 99.999% of the time, God is speaking to you about you because that is what God is concerned about. God is concerned about you becoming more like Christ. That's his biggest concern in your life. And so uh, even beyond telling us about the future, he wants you to know about you. 
like like a, a spiritual dream is not it's, it's not like a fortune cookie right it's not like a crystal ball where it's like god tell me the future and i have this dream okay now i know no you know those lotto numbers that you dreamt about that's probably not god you know what i'm saying like this is not god is not he's not he's not a tarot card reader he's not trying to you know get he he, he is speaking to you about you and, and he wants you to submit to him and he uses dreams as another avenue to get to your heart. And so I had this dream. I'm in our house at the time. We lived on a range road, mom and dad. That's, and uh, uh, the devil was outside the house, right? And so the devil wanted to get inside the house. And the devil wants to get in my heart. He wants to get into my life. And uh, I wasn't about to let him in because why would you let the devil into your life, you know? Um, the only idiots do that. And I'm not an idiot. So I'm not letting him in. He's running around outside making all this noise. Now remember, I'm a 12-year-old. And so your dream is always applicable to you. And so he's crazy out there. And I was a little curious as to what he's doing, what he looks like, yada, yada, yada. So I just thought I'd crack the door open just a little bit to get a visual, right? I was a little curious. So I thought I would just look a little bit in my dream just open up, see what the devil's doing. And, 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 and that's when like, you know, of course the devil like smashed the door and I fell on my back and he had this like gun thing and he, and he shot it at me. I put my hand up in the, the, like the spear. It was like a crossbow gun. So the arrow like went through my hand, you know, and I was like, ah. And so anyway, it was a cool dream, you know, it was awesome. And uh, anyway, that was, that, that was the end of the first segment. Now there, it's 12 year old Harry. Okay. And it's the way God speaks to you. It speaks to you at your age, at your understanding level. And so I had that first segment, then it cut and it went to this other segment. And then it cut and went to a third segment. And, and when I woke up, I was like, wow, this is a really weird dream. And I was praying about it. And God revealed to me that it was a spiritual dream. And he told me what that first segment meant. And he said, I'll tell you the other segments later on when you need it. And so the first segment um, had very much to do with where I was in life at 12 years old. Um, the enemy, the devil, is wanting to get into my heart, wanting to get into my life and, and jack me up and mess me up and, and, and really take, take ground in my life, um, take territory in my life. And so, of course, I'm never just going to, you know, go to a, a satanic ritual and sit around a circle and kill a cat and, you know, spill the blood around. I'm not going to do that. It's crazy. I'm not going to let the devil into my heart. But the, the, the way that the enemy gets into most people's lives is not by them opening the door wide open. It's that we, we do the crack of compromise, right? We just want to check out and see what we're missing out on maybe. And so God spoke to me and said, Harry, like, I, like you, 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 need, you need to be more concerned with compromise than with absolute corruption. It's the compromise that leads to corruption. So, so God spoke to me at 12 years old about some things that I need to not even, don't even open, don't, don't even crack the door, the crack of compromise. Don't even crack the door open. Just, just, just lock it, bolt it, go back in the bedroom. Like, you know, this is like, don't, don't try to see how close you can get to understanding what's out. You don't need to know what's out there. You just, you just just figure out what's in here, you know? And so God spoke to me about me when I was 12 years old, and it was powerful in my life. And I believe God wants to do that for each and every one of you because you're at different places, and you don't know what's coming up, but God knows what's coming up. And so in a dream or in a vision, he can speak to you just like Peter. Peter's up there on the roof. He has no idea that Cornelius is sending people. He has no idea. Cornelius, by the way, is a Roman, a Roman soldier. So he is a Gentile. So he is unclean. So it's illegal for Peter to even go into Cornelius's house, and yet Cornelius has sent guys to bring Peter to his house. And so God's, and, and, and this is, by the way, Cornelius is believed to be the first Gentile uh, who converted to Christianity. So all of us here, unless you're Jewish by birth, I think all of us here are Gentiles. 
So we can trace our origin, we can trace our spiritual heritage back to a guy named Cornelius, but Cornelius would never have, Peter would have never gone into Cornelius' house if God hadn't done something in Peter's heart first. And so God comes to Peter in a trance, a vision or a dream, in order to change Peter's heart about that which is clean and that which is unclean. And immediately later on that day, I mean, he comes down from the house. He doesn't even get to finish lunch. And Cornelius' guys show up and say, hey, uh, our master, a Roman centurion, is wanting to hear from you. And so he says, okay, I think I'll go. What God is doing is he's softening his heart. He's preparing his heart for what is coming. And that's another thing that God will do in dreams and visions. God will give you a vision sometimes, and you won't even know what it means right away. And by right away, I mean like the next week or the next month. God has given me some dreams where, where I don't, it's taken years for me to even understand. Uh, there, 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 there was one dream um, that I had. Uh, I was, uh, uh, let's see, I was 23, uh, no, I was 24, graduating Bible college. And um, I had this opportunity to do a little six-week internship um, down in Louisiana. And so I said, I'm going to take that and go for six weeks. And my plan was after that to come back up to Michigan, mom and dad, and plant a church um, in around that area. And, uh, but, the, uh, but I was going down for six weeks. And I, t- I think I told you guys last week how I broke up with, with my girlfriend, my only other girlfriend other than Roe, and I broke up with her. But, but then I made a bit of a mistake because I wanted to be a, a, a friendly person, right? And so I wanted to still talk to her on the phone. Well, that's bad. If you break up with somebody, just break up with them. Do not call them. Do not te- go all in. Just don't text them. Don't Facebook, like unfriend them, block them, be, you know, it feels mean, but it's actually helpful. But anyway, so for those of you that are at that place in life, um, and so, and so I decided to go down a day early to Ohio and hang out with my former girlfriend just to sort of hang out. Well, that's a horrible idea. Um, She had me meet with her, with her, with her youth pastor, and they were saying I shouldn't break up with her and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't break up. I don't know. I'm all confused, you know. And so it's just not a good idea. So anyway, after all of that, I, uh, I, 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 I go to sleep. I I slept on her parents' couch. And, um, and so I, I go to sleep and I have a dream. Um, and I, I have this dream. I still remember to, to this day where um, I was in a basement of a church building and um, a bunch of people were talking to me. They were asking me about the church. I was the pastor and I could see myself. I was in the back of the room. I could see myself in the front of the room and I, mainly I could hear myself. And that's what was weird that my voice didn't sound like my voice normally sounded. I didn't have that nasally northern accent, you know, like Ashley and, and Dan have, you know. I could, you know, <laughs> or, or, or Bob, you know, Boston Bob. I didn't, I didn't have the nasal thing, which I normally had a bit of a nasal accent. And so I, and so I woke up the next day and I was talking, I was talking to my family and Peter, while we're driving down, I said, man, I think I might be down here a bit longer. I might be south of the Winn-Dixie line a bit longer than I had thought. And sure enough, I've never lived north of Nashville since then. I don't know why Nashville is just that. That's my mark of the South, you know. That's pretty much like that's where the South begins. I, I've never lived north of, of, of that since then. I've just, and, and sure enough, my voice has changed a little bit. I'm not as nasally. Um, I, I still don't say y'all. I refuse to say y'all. That's not a word. It doesn't make any sense. I refuse. Uh, I'll say you all, but I will definitely not say y'all. And I for sure won't say all y'all because that just doesn't make any sense at all. 
so anyway, I don't know if I'm a true Texan. I'm still a big Detroit Lion fan. I still hate the Cowboys. I'm sorry, Robert, Marianne, wherever you are. Um, but I just, you know, it's some things that just won't change. So, you know, you can take the, the Detroit, you can take the boy out of Detroit. You can't take Detroit out of the boy. Still about the Lions. Barry Sanders is still the best player ever. That's all I have to say about that. Um, but, but, but I had no idea. And yet when God spoke to me, it, it, that dream actually still hasn't been fulfilled. So that's how I know we're going to have a building at some point with a basement because I was in a building with a basement, specifically a basement. So anyway, uh, that dream hasn't been fulfilled yet, but it did give me some courage in the moment to say, God's doing something here that's bigger than this girl I'm dating. God's doing something here that's bigger than this thing that's happening in my God's got this picture in his mind of the future. And sometimes God speaks to us right now about what is coming not even to not not even so that we can you know go build a building with a basement you know it's not even so that we can change it or fix it or do something about it but just so that we will know when we're in the middle of it we will know that he saw it before we even got into it uh for instance when when ro and i were first married um i i I had this spiritual dream where um ro and i were walking into this church and by the way doors when you're going through doors that's usually a sign of transition so we were going through the front doors of this church the church that i got saved in the church i first heard from god in and 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 that church usually resembled church planting to me because that's where it all started so it's about starting it's about starting a ministry. And so we were going through these, these doors, and we walked right through the front doors of that church, and I heard a voice in my ear, my right ear, say, are you ready for this? And it was kind of sinister voice. And so I felt something, so I pulled out this long snake. And uh, I was like, whoa. So I threw it down and stomped on it and killed it. And that was the end of the dream. And this is back when we first got married, 10, 11, 12 years, a while ago. And, uh, and I woke up, I said, honey, I don't know what in the world this means, but it's just kind of weird. And so it was a spiritual dream. I knew it was, but I had no idea. I prayed about it, couldn't figure it out. And um, when we started City Chapel, we began, um, before we started, we started gathering a team together. Um, I was up all, I was up to like three o'clock every night making graphics and the website and all kinds of stuff because I still had my full-time job. Um, and, and I was going to bed one night about 3 a.m. And, and I heard this crashing in the bathroom and it was weird because there's nothing in the bathroom. But there was this crashing in the bathroom and I sat up and I heard a voice in my ear say, are you ready for this? There's like this demonic voice in my ear and I'm like, and then boom, I remembered the dream. Just like that, just the dream flashed into my head. And I remembered the dream of the snake coming out and me stomping on it. And, and, and literally, I mean, the enemy's trying to intimidate me. But I said, wait a minute, I, I already know how this is going to end. So you're under my feet. And I just went to bed. I just went to sleep. And so God will often speak to us before a thing in order, not, not so much to help us get ready, but just so that when a thing happens... We'll look back and say, you know what? God knew this was going to happen before I even did. And he's already taken care of it. The snake's already under my feet. It's fine. There's, no, there's nothing that's going to defeat what God is intending to do through me. I'm going to be able to walk through this door. And some consider themselves Christians. They consider themselves Jews, like real Jews. They, they, they call themselves the, the, the true Jews because they still held on to what we call the Old Testament. They still held on to the, the prophecies about Christ. Christ fulfilled those prophecies. And so they, con- there were many of them were still continuing in the traditions of the Jews. Feast days and fast, fasting days and tithing and going to the te- temple and, and all that kind of stuff. They, they were still Jews. And yet at this moment in history is when God began opening up what it meant to follow Christ. That to follow Christ, you have to let go of your prejudice. That just because somebody's not born a Jew doesn't mean that they cannot 
um, walk with Christ. It doesn't mean they cannot have a relationship with Christ. And so God confronted Peter's prejudice in the dream so that God can then use Peter to open up the door to you and I coming into the Christian faith. And so God, that's what God will do. And so to tie this up, to, to tie this in with last week's sermon, um, I'd like to go to Mark chapter 4, um, if we have it on the screen. But last week I was preaching out of Mark chapter 4, and um, those of you that were here, well, obviously all of you were here because you never miss any church. Um, you were all here. You, you remember I preached about um, Jesus calming the storm, the winds and the waves. And, and um, I, I said at the beginning that I had four statements that I wanted to talk about. And that's always bad when whenever I say I have four points to my sermon, you know it's just going to be a long day. So uh, I've, I'm, I'm learning. I'm slowly learning. We're like three years in as a church, and I'm learning I can't do that. Um, some preachers can do four points. I cannot. It takes me, I'm just slow. It takes me forever. It takes me 15 minutes to say hello, you know, basically. Uh, so it takes me a while. So that's why I only got through the first two statements of Jesus. Uh, I, I, I had somebody tell me one time, they said, man, you preached a great sermon series yesterday. Yeah, some of you would get that. A whole series in a day. Like, you know, I just, I knocked it out, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm learning. So really, I need to narrow it down to one statement. Um, and so I'm going to take the third statement today, and I'll probably not even get to the fourth statement until next year sometime. But we'll figure it out. We'll get there. It'll be the slow way, but we'll get there. Uh, verse 35 says, On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the, to the other side. He got in the boat with the disciples. Um, they're leaving the multitude, and other little boats were also with him. A great windstorm rose up, right? We talked about how geographically that's very normal. Um, the Sea of Galilee is like a big um, bowl. Uh, there's all these hills all around it, and then there's one valley, the Kidron Valley, that comes through, and wind just builds up through that valley and hits that bowl, hits that sea. It's about three miles, I think, from one side to the other, right around there. It's not large. You can see to the other side. It, it just hits. It creates massive windstorms you know, on the Sea of Galilee, and that's what is happening. Verse 37, that's what it's talking about. Waves are beating into the boat so that it is already um, filling right? And um, then Jesus was asleep in the stern on a pillow. And um, they woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And verse 39 says that he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And that's where I want to look at here as we close today's message. When we talk about dreams, this is what Jesus often does. Um, the first thing he did when, when they woke him up, which is by the way, the right thing to do, you got to wake up the Word of God in your life. You have to hear from God. And uh, yet the first thing he does is he doesn't even talk to the disciples. The first thing he does is he rebukes the wind. To rebuke means um, to tell some, somebody or something off. Uh, it, to tell it that it's out of line. To tell it that it's wrong. That it's doing something it shouldn't do. This is strange to me why you would rebuke wind. Uh, I've always kind of wondered, what, how exactly do you tell the wind that the wind is doing something wrong. I'm not exactly sure about that. It's, it's provided a lot of interesting discussion um, with other pastors that I've had. You know, some people, um, because of this verse, um, tend to think that, like, the devil is more in the wind um, in terms of, you know, tornadoes and uh, hurricanes, and a lot of destruction is caused by wind. So it's kind of strange that Jesus would rebuke the wind as if it was, like, a person. Uh, like, you rebuke people. But anyway, he spoke to the wind. You do with whatever you like. Do your own study on the devil and hurricanes. But um, it's just interesting to me. The first thing Jesus does is he rebukes the wind. And I, I think the reason he rebuked the wind is because the wind was the, the source of the problem. The wind was the reason um, that the waves were crazy. 
And so often, I think one of the reasons why we say we don't hear from God when it comes to dreams is not because God is not giving us spiritual dreams. He is, but we just don't like the message that we're getting. Um, primarily, it doesn't seem to be helpful to us because what happens is we, we, like the disciples, we are concerned about the water in the boat. We're not that concerned about the wind. We are more concerned about the water because when the water gets in the boat, that's what makes you sink. Wind doesn't usually kill people. Wind doesn't drown. You don't usually die from an abundance too much wind, you know? Uh, you can stand in a windstorm and be pretty much okay most of the time, but it's the water. You will die from too much water, okay? If, you, if, you, if water gets in your boat, your boat sinks. If wind gets in your boat, it's fine. It, it, it is, the water is the visible thing that is threatening the disciples. That is what they are focused on. Jesus fixed this water problem. We have a water problem. And yet when Jesus first stands up, he doesn't deal or address the water problem. He addresses the wind problem. Because underneath the water problem, or rather behind the water problem, is the wind problem. The reason why the water is stirred up is because of the wind. And often when Jesus speaks to us in dreams, he's speaking to the wind of our lives. He's not usually addressing the water. Which is why when you dream about something very specific... Oftentimes, it has nothing to do with, with the house or with the car. You know, uh, if you have a dream that, 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 that a vehicle crashes, oftentimes, it, it's not talking about don't drive that particular vehicle because it's going to crash, although there can be prophetic dreams like that. But usually, the vehicle has to do with a ministry or, or, or a job or something that you're moving forward in. And so it's symbolic. When God speaks to you in dreams, it's often symbolic because, because for the very, very fact that we are trying to fix the water problems when really we have a wind problem. And that if you fix the wind problem in your life, if you fix the, 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 the angst, then you don't even have to deal with the particular circumstance that's happening at the time. Um, so many times, man, we, we, we try to fix the water issue in our life, and yet God wants to speak to the wind issue. And this is what he does. Because it, it, when you're sleeping, especially when you're sleeping, you're in a, a, an altered state of consciousness. You're, primarily, your subconscious is able to speak. And, and for those of us that, uh, that are intelligent, um, like myself, uh, when we are awake, um, our conscience is in control. Our conscience is in charge. Logic reigns. Um, or creativity reigns. But either way, it is all up here and we are in charge. And the, the bummer about that is we're all very good at justifying ourselves. Well, at least I am. You guys are all super holy. You probably never do that. But, but I am really good at justifying myself, at coming up with reasons exactly why I am right, why other people are wrong, why, 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 why at least even if I was wrong, my heart was in the right place. Right? It's like, oh, I'm sorry if you took that the wrong way. Right? That's, that's the whole thing of, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. That's basically what you're saying when you say, when you say, I'm sorry if you took that the wrong way. Oh, I'm sorry, you're so dumb. I'm sorry, you, I mean, I'm completely right here. I, I said the right thing in the right way, and your filter is just way off, dude. We are so good at justifying ourselves because this is what we do. We, we, we build up walls around our conscience because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. And so even people who say, even like, even people who say, well, I'm harder on myself than anybody else is, you know? I mean, like, you, you ever met, or maybe you are the, one of those people. Anyway, uh, some people say that, and what they mean is, you can't judge me because I've already judged me, and I've, I know everything about me that you don't know. 
And, and this is this is this is this is pride, right? To say that you, you, probably the person you know the least is the person in the mirror. Because you never actually see that person. Even when you're looking in the mirror, you're looking at a, at a flipped around version of that person. You've, like, you never, you rarely actually see this person right here. You, you see other people. You see their flaws. You see their issues. Well, in the same way that you see others, others see you. And so, and so God sees us perfectly. And so God will speak to us in a dream to circumnavigate our walls that we have built up to justify ourselves. Because when you're in an altered state of consciousness, when you're sleeping or when you're in a trance, crazy stuff is possible, right? I mean, you, you have a dream and you can fly and things can float and random things, items can talk and then change into other stuff. And it doesn't seem to be odd because it's your subconscious. It's just your imagination. It, anything goes. And so God will use your imagination to get through past your logic, past your self-defenses, and he'll be able to speak to your heart. And this is what happened to me back in February. I was telling you all that um, I was just feeling a heaviness. And so I went to bed and I, and I said, Lord, would you speak to me in a dream? Because I can't figure out why I'm feeling heavy. I can't figure out what this is. This is. And so I had this bizarre dream. And I woke up and I talked to Ro about it. Which, by the way, is what you should do. If you have a dream you think is spiritual, you should, you should talk with somebody who you trust um, to kind of help you, help you understand it. Um, and if you don't have anybody in your life like that, I am here for you, right? My phone number is on the back of every worship guide here. That's my cell phone. <laughs> it's literally, people are like, I don't want to bother you. I put my phone, my cell phone number in everybody's hands who visits here. Like, you know, so I want to be bothered by you, okay? That's my job. Just call me up, text me. I mean, let's talk about it. But you got to have somebody to bounce this thing off of. And so I was talking to Ro about it, and she, and as we talked that evening, I, I just began to realize that, that the dream was really, it was about what the heaviness was on me. And the heaviness was because of two factors. One, um, my unrealized dreams, like goals I had that, I, that hadn't been accomplished. And then my, my unexpected, expecta uh, my expectations uh, and disappointments. So my dis the, dis the expectations I had on myself and on others that hadn't come through, disappointments, and the dreams and goals I had, I have, that haven't happened yet either, uh, the dreams and disappointments. Neither one of those are actually real things. They're all in my head, but they feel very real. And the weight of them feels very real. And oftentimes I feel like those are also weighing down the people I pastor. Like they are working way too hard, uh, way too late, because they have this drive, and it's not a healthy drive. Something's pushing them, and it's really disappointments and dreams, neither of which they have necessarily checked in with God about. And so as I got this dream from God, I said, okay, Lord, what the Lord's telling me is that I'm being weighed down by, this, by these, these, these expectations that haven't been met and these dreams that haven't been accomplished. And so my next step was, okay, God, now how do I submit? How do I lay these down to you? How do I give these over to you? Now, that's a whole other process of hearing from God. But, but dreams can circumnavigate that because I have good reasons why I do everything that I do. And, I, and, and the Bible even says all the ways of a man are right in his own eyes. So it's very normal for us to be like, I'm doing exactly what I ought to be doing. But when God speaks to us in a dream, then suddenly he can, he can tweak it. And he can say, no, actually, there's this in your heart. Because in a dream, you feel it. You know what I mean? Like you, you feel the weight of it. You, you can't even explain. It's not even logical. It doesn't even make sense, but you feel it. And that's what happens when God speaks to us in dreams and visions. You, it hits you right here. It, 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 it totally bypasses this and goes right to this. And you're like, okay, that's real. And I know it's real because the Lord spoke to me 
in a dream. And he always speaks to that wind in our life, the wind that, that's making everything around us swirl, the wind that's causing, that's causing the waves. Um, for the first year of, of, uh, of the church, I, I, had a, I had an office, and we still have this office building. Um, we rent an office space in the bigger building, and, and at that time, I had a real tiny office space, and um, I rented it. It was right next to this much bigger office space of these ladies that worked in Buda with a, a diet. It was like a diet uh, business. Um, basically, people who wanted to lose weight went to these ladies. And um, I actually, like, I, I even told Ro, I said, babe, if I ever wanted to lose weight, like, I'm going next door to the ladies next door because I had a thin wall and, and, and a door between me and them. So I heard all of their talks. And so I, I heard their sales pitch, like, like, at least once a week, right? People would find them online, come sit down, and they would share about why a ketogenic diet is absolutely the best diet, why your stomach wasn't made to, to um, break down grains and stuff. And, and so I'm like, yeah, okay, oh, uh, all the science behind it. Like, I, 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 it's only $300 a month. I mean, you spend that on groceries, right? And, and so, you know, they're going to give you these supplements. They're going to walk with you through it. And the results are pretty amazing. I mean, honestly, I would, I would, I would listen at, because basically if you signed up, and some of you might want to sign up for this anyway. But if, if you signed up, like then, then they would walk with you. Like every two weeks, they would, you would meet with them. You had a diary of, 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 of each day of your daily intake. They'd weigh you. They'd check your body fat mass and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then they talked to you about how it's going. And some of these people literally lost 40 pounds in like three months. Like it was crazy. I, and, um, and I never saw them physically. I heard them through the door. So I have no idea who these people are, but they live in Buda and they're losing a lot of weight. And I'm like, man, this is awesome, you know? I mean, so I'm like, man, if I, like, if I was in that situation, I would seriously look these people up because it seems to be working. Now, I, I don't think it's healthy long-term, but you know, but they're, they're sweet ladies, Christian ladies. And, um, but what was so interesting to me as a pastor, as I'm, you know, just hearing all this stuff, I couldn't like go anywhere. I'm in my office. But I'm hearing about how, how especially in level one, which that's the first like two months that you're on the thing, um, especially in level one, uh, there was a lot of talk about diet, about, you know, denying Twinkies and not get, getting that burger and no pizza. There was a lot of talk about that. But then often it would move from, from diet, from pizza, from Twinkies to emotions, which that's, that's, that's below the surface about um, times when you really feel like snacking or really feel like overeating or times when, you, or like things are difficult, stressful times, stress leads to more eating, which that's, that's, that, 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 that's not a diet thing. That's a, that's a heart thing. And it was going deeper and deeper. And it usually went back. I mean, th these ladies were sweet, but they would obviously be opening up stuff in people's hearts and they're sharing. I mean, eight chances out of 10, especially the ladies would be sharing about how their weight gain could be brought back to trauma in their life. Basically, a divorce, um, a loss of a loved one, uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, some kind of, some kind of trauma had, had sort of set them off on this path, and then they were they're on this trajectory. And what I found is, uh, just from my little sitting next door to these people, the people who made it through the program and lost a lot of weight were the people that were able to deal with the trauma that was behind the weight gain. And if that's true about physical weight, I'm telling you, it is so true about family relationships. It is so true about your marriage. Your spouse is not the devil incarnate. Um, you know, and so any dream that you have that she has horns, that's not of the Lord. Um, 
<laughs> but it, it, you, you, because, because God's speaking to you about you. Because beyond, beyond the waves, the waves that are crashing into your boat, there's something stirring this up. There's wind that is creating this. There is, there, there is trauma oftentimes, as I said in the first service, trauma behind the drama. Come on, somebody. I'm into the rhyming thing with souls and roles and trauma and drama. It, there, there, behind the drama, there is this level of trauma. Now, that's true of everybody. There are, there are people who hate drama, right? They, 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 they'll tell you right off the bat, I hate drama. I can't stand drama. And yet they're like, drama follows me everywhere I go. And I have no idea why. And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea why. I, it's bad luck, I guess. It just follows you. Just follows. Not very far behind. You know, but it, it's coming out of a place of trauma. It's coming out of, of a place of hurt. The, the wind that's around you will create waves wherever you go. It doesn't matter. You get into a different relationship, go into a different church, move to a different city. The, the, the waves are going to be stirred up wherever the wind is. And so God wants to deal with the wind before he deals with the waves. He wants to rebuke the wind. I, I have found many times we don't, we haven't really taken the time to rebuke uh, the wind. And to rebuke wind means to look at something and say it's out of order. It's out of place. And many times we've been, we've accepted the lie of the enemy that we just deserve this. That this pain, this hurt in our heart, this thing that happened, well, that's just, that's part of life. And yet when Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind, he was saying, look, this is not part of my plan. This wind is not part of what I had planned. This is not part of your journey. It, you may have run into it, but this is not, you don't have to carry this with you through the rest of your life. This, this wind has to stop. If you can turn and face the trauma, then you can speak peace and calm to the drama. Then you can tell the waves to calm down because the waves can actually calm down. And I feel like many of us are living with wind just swirling. And the noise of that, the volume of that is so loud you can't hear from God. You know, I'm talking about hearing from God in your dreams. You're like, I don't even get any sleep, you know? I mean, you gotta, like, like you gotta, like, it's, like it, it, the wind gets so loud. Like, if you, if, 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 you, if you were to live outside in a windstorm, I mean, you're, you would lose your voice pretty soon trying to just communicate to people. You can't hear. You can't even hardly talk. And it stirs up all of these problems. And some of it is health issues. Some people are actually dying from diseases because their bodies are so overweight that it's killing them. And it's, but it's not the food and it's not the diet. It's the trauma that's inside their heart. And so if God can heal that first, if he can do, if he, he, doesn't, he's a, he doesn't even have to deal with the body. If he can deal with the heart, then the heart, a healthy heart will line up with a healthy body. And it is true physically, it's true emotionally, it's true relationally. But this is what God wants to do as he speaks to us in dreams. He wants to cut through the waves of our life. And he wants to personally address and rebuke the wind. He wants to tell you the stuff that shouldn't have happened. He wants to tell you the hurt and the wounds that you shouldn't have to carry forever. He wants to heal you of that. And he wants to show you from his perspective what, what he's doing. Just in closing, I had a, a, a dream. Uh, I, I, I shared with you all last week about the church that we uh, grew up in. Uh, my, my family and I helped start, and we were a big part of. And then, and then there was some some stuff that went down um, that that we left. Um, but before any of that happened, I, I was seventeen. Actually, I had a, had a spiritual dream, and um, I had a dream where I was uh, where I was in the front of the 
front steps of that church, the, the building of that church. I was out on the front steps, and, and the pastor uh, the pastor was out there first, and uh, I was coming out of the church. I opened the door, and he was, he was uh, walking down the steps. There's a lot of steps. There's big, big steps. And uh, but he was all he was it was it was winter time and the snow was everywhere and he was so sweaty like he was steam was just coming off of him he had just down his t-shirt and pants and and he was walking so slow like he was um, very feverish you know just kind of dizzy and that was in my dream and I, I saw him and I thought man I, I need to help I need to help him down so I, I took his arm over my shoulder and I I began helping him walk down the steps and we got about halfway down when I started feeling whatever he had, I was catching it. <laughs> so I was feeling feverish and dizzy, and I was like, I, I couldn't even hardly figure out which way to, to walk. And um, we got almost to the bottom, and I, I thought we were both just going to pass out. And then other people came from the church. Uh, I remember specifically some, some individuals that came. And um, um, some helped him, grabbed him, kind of helped him into his van. And then uh, my family grabbed me and kind of helped me over to our van. And um, I began feeling a whole lot better just standing over by our vehicle where we always parked. And, I, and, and then I woke up. And as I'm 17, I have no idea what God's saying. I'm just like, this is weird, you know? Is, 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 is my pastor going to get sick? Am I going to get sick? You know, I'm trying to figure out. But God's like, just calm down. This is, this is for the future. You don't even need to know. And so I said, okay. And I'm 17. But then I was 23 whenever... Um, when, when, whenever we left the church. And that's one of the things that God spoke to me when I was there in the dorm room. God reminded me of that dream. And he said, look, I, I know that you need to go one way and your pastor needs to go another way. It's best for both of you. And, I, and it just reminded me of that, that God six years prior knew what he was gonna do. It just gave me so much courage to say, you know what? Yeah, God is still good. God's still in control. God's going to take care of him. God's going to take care of me. God's going to lead us. And this is the plan that God had all along. And it gave me so much courage for where I'm going. And so I believe sometimes you don't even know you're missing out on a word from God. But man, if you had it, it would make all the difference. And so that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for for every one of us, but especially dads today, man. It's Father's Day. My prayer for the dads of City Chapel is that we hear from God, is that we are dads that actually have dreams from God that we share with our spouses, we share with our kids, we let them know that God speaks to us, and, and we sort of have an idea of what God's doing in our family because of it. 